What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You ever traveled by bus before? Hmm. Your mood's probably not going to improve much. <laughs> well, I'm still a million bucks shy of being a millionaire. <laughs> Del, oh. why did you kiss my ear? You're going the wrong way! Do you think so? Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Her first baby? Come out sideways. She didn't scream or nothing. <laughs> the thing of the temperature is one. He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Have some rum, man. Dig it. Irie, Irie, man. I've been wearing the same underwear since Tuesday. I can vouch for that. At the very least, the absolute minimum. Got a woman you love to grow old with, right? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah! You'll have a gay old Hello, and welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, a trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Zade, the host of the show, and I'm very excited to be back with our third format of the show that we have recently added to the podcast. It's a short version of the podcast that we can release in between regular episodes of the show and the home games, where it's just the listeners versus the podcast to see how many points you can get. There's no prizes or ranks, just a quick mini game to satisfy that nostalgic itch for the pop culture of Generation X. We will also use this time to solve power struggles from previous episodes, as well as giving you a chance to save Generation X from being forgotten in a special guest-hosted segment of the show. To refresh your memory, here is the power struggle we are going to solve at the end of the episode. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. And I'll always be here to help you take a bite out of crime. Remember, don't shoot food. You must chill! I have hidden your keys! Chill! She won't answer the helm. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. You remember where these five Gen X clips are from? Stay tuned to hear the answers at the end of the show. But for now, let's get right to the game that we call Who Will Say Generation X? Challenging Stage. Here's how the game works. We will have three fast-paced rounds of games to play and score points. In round three, we have a special guest host take over the show and quiz me for five questions. If you can get more correct than I can, then you are invited to use our website voicemail system to mock me endlessly. Or better yet, use that voicemail to call in and take over as host for a moment and ask me trivia questions that we can use in an upcoming episode. Just go to our website and click on the blue microphone icon and leave us a trivia question. It's 100% free to use and it can be accessed by any device that has an internet connection and a microphone. And we would love to hear your voice on the show. So let's get going and save Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. Round one is a game that we call Satanic Panic. Could it be Satan? Gen X was no stranger to pearl-clutching parents who lost their freaking mind when they learned what backmasking was. After that, it seemed like the devil was hiding everywhere in pop culture and the Satanic Panic was born. For this game, I'll play parts of three popular Gen X songs and you need to give me the artist and title of those songs. 
However, to honor those overprotective parents, we're going to play the song backwards and unlike our parents, not hear any messages from Satan. Satan! Score yourself one point for artist and one point for title. Two points possible for each song, since this is kind of difficult. Song one is from the 1970s. Please tell me the artist and title of this song played backwards. Okay, do you think you got it? Let's take a listen to the original and see if you got it correct. A nuclear arrow, but I have no fear, cause London is down and I, I live by the river. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, that was London Calling by The Clash. That song is an apocalyptic song detailing the many ways the world could end. Singer Joe Strummer was a news junkie, and many of the images of doom in the lyrics came from the news reports he would read. At the end of the song, a series of beeps spell out SOS in Morse code, implying that the disaster has struck and that we're calling for help. We picked this song to be played backwards in the game because parts of the guitar in it are actually played backwards on the track, and we wanted to hear what it originally sounded like. Spoiler, it sounds pretty much the same. Song two is from the 80s. Please tell me the artist and title of this song played backwards. Judges, can we hear the tail end of that song one more time? It sounded more like Jawas talking than anyone singing. But you got it? Let's take a listen and see if you're right. That was Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Some fans may have thought that the powder keg hit Total Eclipse of the Heart was just your typical sad 80s ballad. Well, turn around, bright eyes. You're in for a surprise. The song's writer, Jim Steinman, said that he wrote this song as a vampire love story. He said that its original title was Vampires in Love. And now knowing that and thinking about some of the lyrics, it kind of makes sense. I tell you, what doesn't make sense is the music video. Here's your homework, kids. Go home and watch the music video for this song and tell me what the heck is going on in this thing. Especially the very end of the video when Bonnie Tyler has a very strange interaction with one of the young schoolboys. You'll know it when you see it. It's one of the weirdest 80s music videos ever. And maybe our parents were onto something with this whole satanic panic thing after all. Check it out. And finally, our last song of the round is from the 90s. Give me the name of the band and the title of this iconic Gen X song played backwards. 
If you didn't get that one, I think you might get some Gen X cred pulled. However, if you said the Humpty Dance by Humpty Hump, then only give yourself one point for getting the name of the song correct. The band was called Digital Underground. In the early 90s, most radio stations played an edited version of this song that inserts comic sound effects in two places, covering the Burger King in I Once Got Busy in a Burger King Bathroom and the 69 line in a 69 my Humpty Nose Will Tickle Your Rear. Judges, why are you playing wacky sound effects like you're some kind of 90s morning commute radio show? Ah, the judges are reminding me that we are a family show and we would never make distasteful crude jokes about the number 69. All right. This is very cute. Okay. All right, that's enough already. Jeez. Round two. Round two, this episode is our spotlight trivia round. We will dive into one Gen X topic to quiz you on. Each complete correct answer is worth two points if you know it outright, but if you need a hint or multiple choice, then it is worth only one point. I'll ask the questions and then circle back with the answers at the end of the round. Good luck. Since Thanksgiving is right around the corner, the spotlight trivia topic for this episode is one of the only Gen X movies with a Thanksgiving theme. That's right. We're diving into the John Hughes classic, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Filmmaker John Hughes branched out beyond his usual teen comedies with this movie. Steve Martin and the late great John Candy were also praised for their performances, bringing a ton of comedy and heart to each of their roles. The humanity that John Hughes was able to write into these characters that you watch and quickly get invested in their journey is beautiful because you feel like you know that person. Watching the movie, you might think, hey, that's my Uncle Stevie or my Aunt Karen. They were all just so relatable. While Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is certainly about a lot of things, including Thanksgiving and the brutality of the holiday commute, it's ultimately about people opening up their hearts to each other, regardless of their situation. It is also a film that teaches us that family can be whatever we make it. So hopefully, this Thanksgiving, we can remember to have a little more patience and kindness to Uncle Stevie and Aunt Karen at the dinner table this year when they bring up that one topic that they just can't seem to shut up about. Question number one. Around the start of the film, Steve Martin's character gets into a foot race to get a cab to the airport, but loses to another 80s icon. Who plays the character that beat him in the foot race to the open cab in New York City? If you know it right now, it'll score you two points. But if you need the multiple choice options, you'll only score one point. The one point options are A, John Candy, B, Kevin Bacon, C, Sally Field, D, Patrick Swayze, or was it E? He lost in a foot race to Larry Flint. Question number two. To pass time on the bus ride, the passengers join in a sing-along. What song does Neil start singing as a suggestion on the bus? Two points will be added to your score if you know it right now. But if you need the multiple choice options, you'll only score one point. Here are your multiple choice options. Is it A, the Flintstones theme song? B, Back in Baby's Arms by Patsy Cline? C, Ray Charles' song, Mess Around? D, Frank Sinatra's Three Coins in a Fountain? Or is it E, the Divinal song, I Touch Myself? Question number three. A lack of money becomes an obstacle for the pair during the movie. When they try to rent a motel room for the night, Dell only has $2 and a watch to barter with. What type of watch does he offer the motel manager? Two points if you can name it right now. 
But here are your one-point options to consider. Was it A, a, quote, hell of a nice watch? B, a Rolex? C, a Casio? Or was it D, a Swatch watch with a checkerboard watch band and a plastic face protector? Question number four. Speaking of money, what is the only credit card that John Candy's character, Dell, has in his name? This one might be a little tricky, but if you can get it here, you'll score two points. Here are your one-point multiple-choice options. Is it A, Diner's Club? B, Sears Charge Card? C, Gimbel's Card? D, Neiman Marcus? Or is it E, Chalmers Big and Tall Men's Shop? And finally, question number five. And our final question of the round. Dell lugs around an impossibly large trunk all over the country, which is a visual metaphor for the burden Dell carries in his heart about his deceased wife throughout the movie. Dell references her several times during the flick. The question is, what is the name of Dell Griffith's wife? Two points if you can remember her name right now, but for one point, here is a super vague hint that might not help anyone. Think of the middle name of any three Gen X women you know, and if it's not either Anne, Lynn, Michelle, Lee, Renee, Elizabeth, Nicole, or Jean, then at least one of these three share the same name as Dell's wife, guaranteed. See, I told you it wasn't very helpful. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. I, I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. And I'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with... Zay- I can take anything. You know what that'd say? That'd say, I know what you mean. Wow, judges. I know it wasn't the greatest clue ever, but I'm not sure that was entirely necessary. But let's move on all the same. Now that you've had a little time to think about the questions, here are the answers. Question one, who plays the character that beats Neil to the open cab in New York City? The correct answer is B, Kevin Bacon. How could it not be Kevin Bacon? Seems like that dude was in everything growing up. In the scene that goes back and forth between Neil trying to sleep next to Dell, clearing his sinuses, and Neil's wife watching TV alone in their bed, she is watching on the TV the movie She's Having a Baby, which is also written and directed by John Hughes. She's Having a Baby was released in 1988, a full year after Planes, Trains, and Automobiles hit the theaters. It stars Kevin Bacon, who many people guess was playing his character Jake from the movie in the scene where he out-hustles Neil for the taxi. Who knew John Hughes had his own cinematic universe? Question two, what song does Neil start seeing as a suggestion on the bus? The correct answer is option D, Frank Sinatra's Three Coins in a Fountain. Three coins in a fountain, each one seeking happy, you know this, seeking happiness. Thrown by three hopeful lovers. No. As the duo travels to St. Louis by a Greyhound bus, Dell asks if anyone wants to lead a song. Neil begins singing the Frank Sinatra classic, Three Coins in a Fountain. The silent passengers turn around and look at him in supreme confusion. Dell then interjects with the Flintstone theme, and the entire bus excitedly joins in as Neil shakes his head perplexed. What's the lesson? You gotta know your audience. Question number three. What type of watch does he offer the motel manager? The correct answer is C. A Casio. Dell didn't get the room, but I guarantee that motel manager would have thought twice about it if that Casio had a calculator feature on it like mine does. Question four. 
What is the only credit card that John Candy's character Dell has in his name? The correct answer is option E. Chalmers Big and Tall Man's Shop. It's a seven outlet chain in the Pacific Northwest. Great stuff. Unfortunately, it does us no good here. Dell does use a diner's club card in the movie. However, it doesn't belong to him. After the rental car catches fire, Neil asks Dell how he paid to rent it. Dell then tells Neil that he used Neil's diner's club card because he found it in his wallet. Why? Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 And question five, what is the name of Dell Griffith's wife? This was a bit obscure, but at least we gave you an equally obscure hint to the correct answer by asking you to remember the most common middle names of Generation X women in your life. Once you ruled out all the names we gave you, we feel the answer became quite obvious. And that was the name Marie. As we mentioned in the setup for the question, Dell's baggage in life is the burden that he carries in missing the love of his life in Marie. Much like the visual metaphor of the trunk that he moves from place to place, his burden is too big for him to manage by himself, literally and figuratively. Planes, trains, and automobiles hits its emotional peak at the end when you see Neil and Dell carry the trunk down the street side by side as the song lyrics of Every Time You Go Away plays softly in the background. It is a beautiful and heartwarming reminder that sometimes we need a little help with the burdens we carry around with us wherever we go. And sometimes all it takes is a good friend to help us with our burden to make things manageable. So in those moments when we feel we can't go forward any longer, we can get up and get moving with our lives once again. You know, I wasn't going to mention this publicly, and maybe this won't even hit the final edit for the episode. I don't know. But recently, after 30 years on the job, I was let go of my day job. Yeah, it sucks. I've been in the same industry since 1991, and it's really all I know how to do professionally. The industry that I was in is all but dead now, and just like Dell in the movie, I don't have any place that I can go. I'm not trying to bum anyone out by saying this, um, and so I hope you'll please forgive me, uh, but I, I can tell you how scary it is to start over at life at 50 years old. And the burden of having to provide for my wife and daughter feels like I am lugging that huge trunk from the movie around with me every day. The podcast isn't about me or my life. And I know that this kind of stuff isn't why you subscribe to the show. The only reason I mention anything here is that it's because I don't know where I'm heading in life right now. And that could affect the podcast in the future. It would be a dream come true if I could just make this podcast every week and it would pay enough to live on and I could be a professional podcaster. That could be my job, but right now it doesn't pay enough and that's okay. It's still my dream and I'm still going to continue after that dream with all I got. I have no plans on stopping the podcast as it is one of the things in life that's really going well for me. And one of the things that really brings me so much joy in life. The main reason I bring this up at all is that this is a Thanksgiving themed episode. And I'm so deeply thankful to all of you for listening to the podcast for the past two years. I wanted to put it in some sort of perspective to those listening where I'm coming from. When I say that you are helping me carry my trunk right now, and I'm so, so very thankful to you for it, just by listening to the show, participating as guests, and especially to those who support the show financially through our Patreon site and our merchandise site, you are giving me a reason to get out of bed and keep moving. I absolutely love the community that we've built in the show, the many friends that I've made because of it, and the old friendships that have made even closer because of it as well. I am thankful to all of you. I don't know what the future holds for me, 
but I know that I want to continue to save the pop culture of Gen X along with you for many years to come. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that happens. So thank you for picking up the other side of the trunk. Thank you for helping me with my burden and let's keep moving forward together. Judges, is it okay if we leave that part in the episode? I feel like it really fits the theme of thankfulness to make sure the listeners know how much we love and appreciate them. Oh, come on, judges. Why don't you want to handle my trunk? Well, the judges are being all judgy, but please know that your old pal Zabe loves you and appreciates you. Next, we move on to round three and have one of our listeners guest host the show as they ask me some trivia questions. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Land of the Lost will return after these messages. If you would like to try your hand in guest hosting this next segment and share your trivia knowledge of the fun things of Generation X, then send the judges an email at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com and let's talk about it. Or for faster results, just go to our website at whowillsavegenx.com and leave us a voicemail. Just tap on that blue microphone icon on the lower right part of your screen and leave us a message. It's free to use and your voice and trivia questions might be used on an upcoming episode. We look forward to hearing your voice on the show. Thanks. Round three. I am the guy who normally asks the questions, but in this segment, we're going to turn things around and have one of our listeners ask the questions to see if I can do my part to save Generation X. Our special guest host this episode comes to us via our voicemail setup on our website. Our producer, Robin, has informed me that it is from a listener named Mitch. So first off, thank you, Mitch, for being our first ever voicemail user and for taking the time to send us some questions. I have not heard these questions or the voicemail yet, and I have no idea what I'm in store for. But I think that's kind of the fun of it. All right. Let's see what Mitch has in store for us as he takes over the hosting duties for the next segment. Take it away, Mitch. Let's go to our first caller. Hello, you're on the air. Hey, Zabe. This is Mitch from Mesa, Arizona. Long time listener to the show. And I wanted to try out your voicemail feature on the website. Although I think if you called it an answering machine, you might lure more Gen Xers to use it. Judges? (laughs) Now, Zabe, as I'm sure you're well aware, Charles Martinet, the American voice actor who created and voiced the video game character Mario since 1994, recently stepped down from that role at the end of 2022. It's me, Mario! To honor one of the voices of our childhood, I have some questions about the heroic plumber and the platform he's on. Here are my questions. Question number one. If you measured the distance that Mario runs, jumps, slides, or swims in Super Mario Bros. from the beginning of World 1-1 to the end of World 8-4, and without the use of warp zones, how far does Mario go? Give yourself five points if you can guess within 5,280 feet of the correct answer. If you need multiple choice, then give yourself one point for the correct answer. Well, I definitely need the multiple choice on this. I'm glad you included one. Is it A, 3.4 miles, B, 7.4 miles, C, 9.4 miles, or D, 69 miles? 69, dudes! 
Oh, brother. Judges, why did we make up the rule that I can't say I don't know? Because I really don't. However, that's not my official answer. Well, there are four stages per world. And if each one is about a quarter of the mile, is my guess. And the, the dungeon level would be less than a quarter of a mile. So that means each world would be less than one mile. Uh, I got to go with option B, 7.4 miles. My official answer. Question number two. I loved the NES console. I had to have it. How much did nine-year-old Mitch pay in 1985 for the console, two controllers, a light gun, and the Super Mario Bros. game cartridge? Two points if you know or guess right. One point if you need multiple choice clues. Was it A, $99.99, B, $124.99, C, $169.99, or D, $199.99? Well, it was introduced in 85, if I'm correct, and they're not going to release it for a low price to start. So I'm going to go with the highest price of the multiple choice, which was option D, $199.99. And if nine-year-old Mitch had 200 bucks on him to spend on a (laughs) Nintendo game console, then dude, you were living the life. Congrats. Question number three. What was the first video game Mario appeared in? Give yourself two points if you know it without the multiple choice answers. One point if you need the multiple choice answers. This one, I finally know. So I'm going to take the two points and not get the multiple choice. It's 100% Donkey Kong. Let's hear the multiple choice options, though. And it'll make me feel better if Donkey Kong is one of the options. Is it A, Mario Cement Factory, B, Mario versus Donkey Kong, C, Mario Bros, or D, Donkey Kong? Question number four. There are 43 games that feature Mario from 1981 to 1989. Name them in chronological order. What the? Just kidding. That would be impossible. (laughs) What video game during that time frame, 1981 to 1989, features Mario as a referee? Give yourself two points if you know it. If you need a hint, then give yourself one point. I think I know this one. Here's the hint. Okay, I don't need the hint for this one. It is 100% Mike Tyson's punch out. Here's the hint. The only two things Mario says is KO and TKO. Only he says it more muffled like an adult on the Peanuts cartoon. Clearly the days before Charles Martinet. Question number five. Speaking of Tyson's punch out, it uses racial and ethnic stereotypes in most of the opponent's little Mac faces. You probably couldn't get away with it nowadays, so tread lightly. Name three characters you face on your road to fight Mike Tyson. Give yourself two points if you know their names. One point if you don't know their name, but you can describe them by how the game, not you, but the game portrays them. This game really didn't age well. So I'm a little bit at a disadvantage for this one because I did not have Punch-Out for the Nintendo uh, NES, but I did play the arcade version when I went roller skating. I sucked at it, so I didn't waste a whole lot of quarters on it. I pretty much stuck to Galaga and Karate Champ. But if I'm remembering correctly, there was somebody named like Glass something or other. I think it's Glass Joe. Or kid is a kid Joe Glass Joe Glass Joe, ugly kid Joe. No, that's not it. Glass Joe, um, the name Bald Bull comes to mind for some reason. I think those are Bald Bull. Um, uh, and I don't remember Mike Tyson being in it, but I think he was the main boss, right? 
Mike Tyson was the main boss at the end. It's Mike Tyson's punch out, right? I mean, I think you got to fight Mike Tyson at the end. So um, I'm not sure, but I'm going with Glass Joe, Bald Bull, and oh, wait, you said on the road to fight Mike Tyson. So Mike Tyson doesn't count as an answer. Um, if I'm thinking of the question correctly, dang, um, I am at a loss. Uh, my official answers are bald bull, George glass. No, that, dang it. That's Jan's boyfriend. Uh, glass Joe. So bald bull glass Joe. And my final one, cause I have to give an answer is, um, pauljpowers.com. Pauljpowers.com. Am I right? Here are your answers. Answer number one. How far does Mario go? Here's the fun fact. I mean answer. Assuming Mario is an average size with an average stride of 26 inches, assuming he takes a route with no bonus areas or warps, from start to finish, the final castle level 8 is 17,835 feet or 3.4 miles. 3.7 if he does bonus areas. So the answer is A, 3.4 miles. Hope you got it right. Answer number two. How much was the NES bundle in 1985? If you chose D, $199.99, you were correct. Adjusted for inflation, that's more like $500 of 8-bit awesomeness in today's money. Answer number three. What was the first game Mario was in? If you chose D, Donkey Kong, that is correct. Mario vs. DK was released in 2004 on the Game Boy Advance, and regular Mario Bros. and Mario Cement Factory came in 1983. It would have been in 1981 you would have seen Mario make his debut in Donkey Kong. Answer number four. What game is Mario a referee? The answer is Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Here's a fun fact. Before it was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, it was just Punch-Out. The final boss you fight is Super Macho Man, loosely inspired by Randy Macho Man Savage, the wrestler, which personally I think is a better final boss. Answer number five, name three characters from Punch-Out. There were 12 characters you faced. Some notable opponents were Bald Bull, Piston Honda, Great Tiger, Don Flamenco, and Soda Popinski, each with a backstory worthy of a trip to HR. All right, Dave, with a total possible of 17 points, good luck. Oh, damn it. I screwed that one up. Yeah, I don't think it's appropriate to name your character Pissin' Honda. Oh, Gilligan. And that would get you a trip to HR. But Mitch, thank you so much for coming up with these questions. They were great. I only got five points in it, but it was three out of five I got correct with the multiple choice. So thanks for including those. Otherwise, I think it would have struck out altogether. Thanks for not making me look bad on our own podcast. I love the idea of changing it from our voicemail to our answer machine. 100% going to do that in your honor, Mitch. Mitch, you rule. You are welcome on this show anytime you want. Thank you, buddy. So listeners, if you would like to be like Mitch and quiz me on our answering machine, then head over to our website, click on that blue microphone icon, and maybe you'll end up in the guest host chair just like Mitch did. Thanks again, Mitch. The power struggle. The last segment of the challenging stage is giving answers to the power struggles from past shows. In the home game, episode 13 featuring Grant, we had a power struggle question and it sounded a little something like this. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. 
and I'll always be here to help you take a bite out of crime. Remember, don't shoot food. You must chill! I have hidden your keys! Chill! She won't answer the help. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. Let's reveal the answers now. Clip one is Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop. Clip two was from the PSA commercial starring McGruff, the crime dog. Clip three was from the narrator scolding you for shooting the food in the video game Gauntlet. Clip four was the great John Cusack in the movie Say Anything. And finally, clip five is what it sounds like when the Kodan Armada goes boom in the movie The Last Starfighter. We die. We will reveal more Power Struggle answers in future episodes of The Challenging Stage. Before we go, I have one quick shout out to give to our newest Patreon supporter on the podcast. On an episode where we celebrate being thankful, we want to give a huge thank you to Steve from Providence, Rhode Island, who signed up for our Patreon tier called the 69 Club. 69, dude. The newest tier only costs $1.69 to join. However, we're having a special going on right now at our Patreon site that if anyone joins the 69 Club tier at $1.69, they automatically get the benefits of the $6 Double Dare tier. This is a limited time offer and is limited to only the first 69 people that sign up. And then that's it. We have upgraded all of our tiers since we started. So check us out on Patreon and see what all the rad offers are all about. But here on this episode, we want to celebrate Steve and Providence for joining. Believe me when I say right now, more than ever, we really appreciate your generosity and financial support to the podcast. And at this point, my family. Steve, we just need several thousand more people to do what you have already done, and we'll be all set to produce an episode every week and turn this into a full-time gig for me and the judges. Judges, that sound good? But until the dream comes true, here's a sound clip in your honor that we hope you especially like. Especially like. Steve, from one nerd to another, thank you. This one's for you, buddy. I just wanted to to say that, that I'm a nerd, and I'm here tonight to stand up for the rights of other nerds. I mean, uh, all our lives, we've been laughed at and made to feel inferior. Why? Because we're smart? Because we look different? Well, we're not. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. No one's really going to be free until nerd persecution ends. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. We welcome you to share the podcast with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribing to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.